In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. We're back. The most important show of the season. We're chatting the two big... Uh, we might even get Tony Grossi on. It's that important. It's running backs and fullbacks. That is the one. How are we doing, Ian? I'm good. I'm a little disappointed you're not wearing your running backs matter uh, sweatshirt. And yes, I changed it. It's, it's a bit warm. It's a bit it's a bit warm in London, but yeah, it's it's the show that I'm sure all of the Duffin haters will tune in to listen to and drag you through the sludge in terms of the running back room for the Cleveland Browns. Arguably one of the stronger rooms uh, this past season. I know that some people feel that it was underutilized, but yeah. Um, well, let's just let's we, we talked a little bit about Baker Mayfield. Obviously, this is part of the Duffin series of just dropping articles to continue to educate people um, out there. What's going on with the roster, where the Browns could be going, could not be going. You know, there's a, there's just a lot out there, Jack. It's, there's so much information out there. And I think what's happening is, is you just have so many people trying to interpret so much data that you're just getting a ton of information that may not be conveyed quite like people think, right? Because I'd made the comment last year regarding the Browns running back room that if Kareem Hunt was done for the year, this very well may be the last snap we see of Kareem Hunt in a Browns uniform. And you look at it and you say, well, how is that? And I'm like, well, Kareem Hunt, if he's out or he's hurt, is he worth $6.2 million? So we were starting to look ahead even during the season for something like this. So why don't you kind of give us a rundown of the running back room as it stands today? Because I do believe we have many of them under contract even for next year. What do you say? Yeah. So where we're at for the room, let's look at the two years, what Barry's done. So the first year, 2020, we had four in the uh, running backs on the roster and fullbacks in there as well. So just backs, um, Chubb, Hunt, Dearnest, and uh, Janovich. And then last year, we actually went up to five um, because we added Dimitric Felton. And I'm just going to touch on Felton and why we're actually going to talk about him more tomorrow. If we look at the 130 snaps that he played on offense, 17 of them, so 13% in total, were actually played at running back. 87% of his snaps, a massive, massive amount, was actually at wide receiver. So even though on the Browns official site he was listed as running back, what we actually saw was a guy playing at wide receiver. Who knows exactly what reason that is. It could be, hey, they needed more wide receivers. Um, it might sort itself out. But I think it's fair to grasp him for that. And it sort of makes sense. Hey, the running back room went up one. The wide receiver room went down one. That effectively seems to be where the change was made. So I think purely for the purposes on the cap art, um, the roster building articles, I'm going to push him into that discussion for wide receivers. I'm not saying he can't do both. But you do have to look at it because wherever he lands, he takes up a roster spot that you potentially take out of another room. And I think if we're trying to understand that is in terms of the Browns offense, you know, how many plays did we see where Jarvis Landry was lined up in the backfield or Jarvis Landry took a handoff on a sweep? I think the natural progression would be that they're going to find out 
is Demetric Felton a guy that can take those snaps? You know, the Chiefs do it often where they use Nicole Hardman or they use uh, Byron Pringle. They use kind of different guys from the wide receiver room out of the backfield. Now, obviously, the most notable one of a team doing this is the San Francisco 49ers that have Debo Samuel. And, you know, before the show, we looked it up. So Demetric Felton is 5'9, 190. Debo is six foot two ten two fifteen. So he doesn't quite have the size that Debo does. He also doesn't really play the same type of game. So I would expect them maybe to fall somewhere with Felton above the usage of Landry, but below the usage of Debo Samuel. Yeah, no, it's going to be an interesting one. And uh, we'll see where he slots into the roster when you catch up with us next Tuesday. But, uh, We'll start with the, we're going to go running back one, running back two, running back three, and then fullback number one, saving the best till last. So first up, let's look at the contract. It's obviously Nick Chubb. Um, he's got got extended. So the next two years, he's certainly on the roster. Um, and then they'll get to decide in 2024, hey, 12.2 million, do you want to keep them for that number? So that's going to be the choice they face. And who knows, by that time, body breaks down, everything else goes on time moves on they'll probably found some other good young up-and-coming running backs it's a sensible decision to have um i'll pass over to you ian but one thing i just t- touched on when i was researching this article is i was shocked how few snaps he actually played so he's only got one season where he played over 45 percent of snaps and he's averaging 47 percent of snaps across all four years so You're talking I, I about Chubb. yeah i was surprised how low mm-hmm. it was i think that the the NFL, as it's evolving into a game, I think a guy like Nick Chubb is best utilized at a 50% clip, right? If you were to break down, if the Browns had a, an aggressively deep edge room, you know, I'm obviously, it's tough to compare a running back in terms of their position to like an edge. But if realistically you could use Miles Garrett on 50% of the snaps that you needed him for, how much more effective would he be in terms of re- reducing risk for injury, stuff like that? Because obviously running backs, unfortunately, they do run a high risk of injury. We see it. I mean, McCaffrey, ever since he signed his deal, I mean, Dalvin Cook has had battled injuries, Alvin Kamara. I mean, that's what happens to these guys. I, I forget many people in the league have all said it. I can't specifically name one, but they talk about it's a car accident, right? So these guys are getting into a car accidents every year. And I think we see Nick Chubb steady Eddie, Mr. Consistency. And we get so mad because we're not using them like Derrick Henry and Derrick Henry is the exception to the rule where you can give a guy 35 carries, get 200 yards. Like I think in Browns fans minds, that's what they want to see. But then you realize that's not who or what Nick Chubb is, nor do I think that's what Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski want him to be. So to hear that he's at 47% snaps, especially knowing that I have another running back like Kareem Hunt on the roster, I think actually makes me feel good because if we look at that Chubb contract, and I'm going to pass it back to you with a simple question is if we look at that contract where we have him 26, 27, 28, 29, I think you're doing Chubb a favor, giving him the opportunity to keep his snaps low to maybe elongate his career. So at 29, he doesn't hit the proverbial wall slash cliff that most running backs do. But my question back to you is the Browns obviously extended Nick Chubb this offseason. So the deal's out there. You've had now plenty of time to digest it. If you were to assign not a Paul Brown uh, number grade, because, you know, we can't give sevens. If you were to assign a letter grade, you can use pluses or minuses. So, you know, B plus, B minus, whatever you want. What would you give the Nick Chubb contract and how it relates to the Browns running back room moving forward? Um, 
it's a running back contract. So it's going to be really, really low. But it wasn't a Zeke running back contract. No, in in the market's moved, thank God, um, because it was horrendous. It's just okay. Um, So what do you call that? Call it a C minus. if we go all the way through, I'm just going to put it bang that's, that's average my, because that's my, that's my college degree right there based on C's and D's get degrees, baby. Uh, it's, it's one where I say, Hey, it doesn't hurt you like some of the other deals, but is it optimal? No. Um, I don't think we see the Nick Chubb we've seen over the previous four years in the next two. Um, and I think that's something that fans will be frustrated with that. You'll see his body start to break down a bit. The snaps are lower, which does help him, but shouldn't we be pushing for maximum value out of the time we've got him before he goes into free agency and elsewhere? And But wouldn't you say max value is the fact that he's averaging, you know, over four yards, almost five yards a carry? I mean, ironically enough, with the same usage, he's matching Derrick Henry and some of these other top running backs with their usage per snap. The, so the, the issue with his number, and it's something Joe Thomas has touched on before, and it, it was quite prevalent this season. It was two yards, two yards, two yards, 26 or something. And that's not, that's not good. As Joe Thomas pointed out, you need it for a head coach and um, for the team to consistently stick with a run game. You need that. We need to consistently see either four yards or first downs. And that's not, it, it was in multiple games this year where it, the, the consistency from snap to snap wasn't great. And yeah, the problem with that was the O-line. And that's where the issue is. Would I rather see 12 million pumped into an additional O-line or am I looking to potentially cut money out of the O-line to give that to Nick Chubb, which is effectively what might happen if they move on from um, Conklin, they move on from Tretter. Where's that money going? Hey, it's, it's gone to Nick Chubb. You've taken it out of the O-line and you put it into a running game. When we see Giannis Johnson came in and was very, very successful. It's like the scheme, the O-line and everything sets up well and Nick Chubb's just the one benefit if you look at the running grade, so just the running grade for PFF, rushing grades, run category, minimum 20% rushing attempts. Do you know who the top three running backs in the league are? No, but surely they're not all three of us. No. Dearness Johnson is number one. Tony Pollard is number two. My man. AJ Dillon is number three. Wow. That's a surprise. Yeah. So uh, Jonathan Taylor is number four. Now, obviously, this is using the run category. Um, so let's specifically talk about, you know, that you're talking about a PFF grade for rushing. Okay, so overall in offense, obviously, they'll change a little bit. But when you talk about utilization, it's still not bad. Nick Chubb was number 13, and Kareem Hunt was down at 26. Obviously, only eight games played. However, in terms of, you know, fumble grades and overall grades, Kareem Hunt's, you know, pretty decent toward top of the league. So... The O-line, I think, touches because I think if you go back to last year, not 2021, but 2020, Chubb was a lot more consistent with those five and six-yard carries um, that you talked about when it came to the overall rushing grade efficiency. But I do think a lot of that had to do with losing Jack Conklin. I would be curious to see what Chubb's splits were with and without Conklin because you remember, right, Derrick Henry, when he was winning the rushing title over Nick Chubb in Tennessee – had a very familiar name on his right tackle as well. And that is Mr. Jack Conklin. Conklin is very much well-known as an all pro right tackle, but one of his strengths is being able to maul people. You know, Blake Hans isn't Jack Conklin and that's no shot to Blake Hans. But I do think that 
the Browns with a guy like Chubb are probably more to the norm of that four, five, six, seven rushing consistency. And that's, if people don't remember when Thomas was talking about that, he was talking about this, this thing they designed under Kyle Shanahan really in the sense that is the rushing play worth it because it didn't go three yards. Like is a two yard rush worth it or should we pass the ball? So there's a little analytical stuff, which I'm sure Mike McDaniel, who's now becoming a hot name, former Browns wide receivers coach, you know, these are the things they look at is if I can get four yards, five yards, well, yes, that makes it very much because the probabilities skew in my favor. So I wouldn't be shocked if Chubb returns to more of that norm. The question is, is he going to have Kareem Hunt behind him? Otherwise, you may see 47%, maybe bump to 55, 57, 58%. You may see that 10, 15% uptick in carries. It's possible. Beautiful little segue there. So Chubb's locked in at number one. If we talk about number two. It's almost like we planned this stuff out. People get really, really upset when I talk about a backup running back. Hey, if Nick Chubb is your starter, whoever's number two is officially the backup. <laughs> and But they announce them together as a, a starting duo. <laughs> so we've got two different options here. And you're not going to have both. Sorry to rain on everyone's parade that they want to keep all three dudes. So you've got a choice of... Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt. Well, real on. quick, tell everybody why. Because a lot of people accuse us of elitism and, you know, playing semantics with our arguments. Why is it that we can't have Chubb, Hunt, and Dearness Johnson? Why is that, Jack? Because you're not going to pay the amount of money it's going to cost to have an RB3 still on the roster. So let's just talk about how much money it is. Real quick. So Dearness Johnson, just to clarify, because there's a lot of people that ask these questions, Dearness Johnson in 2021 was paid a very, very favorable salary. You have to basically scroll all the way down to the bottom of the list to find out he got paid $850,000. Now, $850,000 for the this year, if he comes back, is, wait for it, goes higher, goes higher, 2.3 million, I believe. The, 2. Uh, the, uh, yeah, 2.4. So you're now paying him three times as much. Hence, now you have... Chubb at a, a running back deal, Hunt at a $6.2 million deal, and another $3 million. So now you're you're literally getting into the $20 million a year. That's why you're not getting all three. Yeah, so Jack, That's effectively McCaffrey money. So if effectively, you're going and paying the McCaffrey deal, which, yes, you're getting three running backs for it, but everyone's agreed that's not a good deal. So we've got the two different options. So we'll, we'll do Hunt first. Hunt is going to make $6.25 million. Um, n- there's no guaranteed money in there, so we can walk away, do whatever we want. We need to decide by the April the 6th. So that's a really, really important day for the future of uh, Kareem Hunt. If he's on the roster that day, he should make the team and everything should be rosy there. Um, the reason why they might not look, he's the 13th most expensive running back in the league at 6.25 million. They might look at that and go, hey, we're only going to keep him for one year. And then after that one year, we're not going to be able to re-sign him because that 6.25 probably becomes eight, maybe. And they're just not going to pay that amount of capital there. Could you trade him? People, Someone telling me they're going to get a second round pick for him earlier. Who? Who says that? Oh, a few people on Twitter. I'm, someone I'm, wrote for something. I, I would say this, Jack, I will go on record. If the Browns get a top two round pick so i'll give it first and second round for kareem hunt i will run naked around my house here in chicago when the temperature is below 30 degrees 
<laughs> we'll, we'll do a video of it too. And I'll make sure to bleep it out. But if the Browns get a top two round pick for Kareem Hunt, that's what's happening. We're doing a naked lab. It's not. So I, I think a fifth or sixth round is probably what you're looking at and looking at yeah. the running backs that have been traded. There's a couple of guys that have got a fourth, but they're two years on rookie deals. Sony Michelle, um, there was more longevity because you're trading for a contract as much as you're trading for a player. That's always an important thing to remember. You trade for contracts, you don't trade for players. Um, but also, I mean, they could realize and say, you know, instead of draft capital, it could be one of the rare player for player trades where you yeah. look at it and say, we're going to give you Hunt, you're going to give us X. I mean, the, it, to be fair, is Kareem Hunt worth a six round pick? That's going to be the nuanced argument. I probably would keep him for a six round pick, obviously. But if you all of a sudden can give me a player that fills a bigger need edge than my three. RB2, could be edge three, there you go. So the other option, let's jump over to Deionis Johnson. So option one. Hunt and Chubb, Chunt, whatever you want to call it. Yep. Those two. But I only Hunt for one year. And likely Benny May for your third running back. Just throw a name in there. So the other one, Johnson is a restricted free agent. So we do have some control over this as the Browns. So you can use a right, right of first refusal tender, which gives him a contract of 2.433 million. So that, that gives him that deal. But then what happens is any team in the league can offer him a deal. So if he then agrees to that deal, so say someone offers him a, um, 10 million over two potentially or 10 million over three he signs that deal and then the browns get an option they can either match that deal that exact deal all the terms in it or they allow him to go there's no compensation or anything but he moves on so that is sort of a good example of that deal um gus um edwards, edwards with the Ravens, had similar final year numbers obviously done a little bit more before that but similar end your numbers you could probably make that sort of a 12 million over three deal and um, guarantee the first two years and that's kind of what the issue the options are because you've got kareem hunt that has some injuries um is obviously older and we're only getting for one year or you take Dearness johnson where you keep him for definitely the next two years with a team option for that third year a lot less wear and tear and then you go actually we, we want that multi-year security behind chubb he can balance out the snaps. You draft the guy this year or next year and you prepare for that change and letting go of, who knows, it could be Jonas Johnson, it could be um, Nick Chubb because two years down the line, Nick Chubb might be busted up and you go, actually, Jonas Johnson will give you a couple more extra years. And that's the way we'll go. So it gives you so much long-term options by going Jonas Johnson. You're not going to keep him around as your number three and he would sign a deal and go somewhere else probably. So... That's sort of your, is it all in and we're going everything and is throw it all in with Kareem Hunt this year? Or is it actually, let's look at the next two, three years and Dearness Johnson versus, yeah, Benny LeMay could be your backup running back in uh, 12 months time. And I did see they put uh, John Kelly on the reserves future. So he's another name, like I said. It, it really depends on, do the Browns think that the O-line makes the running back? Because if that's the case, then you're going to want to go as cheap as possible beneath Chubb to lessen the impact overall on that room. Hence option one, which was technically keeping all three, which is not a real option. So it makes sense. You're basically talking about, do you want Dearness Johnson plus $3 million in cap at his exclusive rights free agent deal? Or do you want Nick Chubb at 6 million? I'm sorry, at Cream Hunt at $6 million without Dearness Johnson. There's that. So there's your trade. 3 million bucks in Dearness Johnson for Cream Hunt. What do you want? 
Yeah, no, and I think it will come with a longer deal. I don't think they would just keep him around on that tender. I, I think they would offer him straight away because if they do believe in Dearness Johnson, why not fork up the cash and get him cheap? Um, because it could be an easy, say that final year is 4 million. They could then go, right, Nick Chubb's broken down in 2024. 4 million for Dearness Johnson to be a starting running back. Happy, happy days. <laughs> happy, happy days. Yeah, it's, it's to be fair, this isn't downplaying or, or agreeing with your Fletcher. I think running back is one of the easier rooms that if you need to kind of fill a void or, you know, all of a sudden maybe you, you, you find a guy at the end of the draft that you can plug in there as a sixth, seventh round pick if you need him to come in for a couple of games. I mean, it's one of the easier rooms to replace, especially if you have the well-oiled machine that Bill Callahan's running up front where you find a guy who knows zone scheme. You say, hey, follow the hip, follow the hip, and once you see the hole – I mean, that's why I think everybody looks at Dearness Johnson and says, wow, he runs so impressively because they literally taught him, hey, run this hip. When you see it, man, he just he hits that hole and he hits it hard. And that's what endears him to the hearts of all Browns fans is we see him. We see him run hard. And I would think Chubb maybe gives people more of that Le'Veon Bell esque where he's just patient. And he's sitting back and he's more methodical, whereas Dearness Johnson is one cut and just plunge. So. Hunt's kind of the same way, except he just doesn't look for the hole. He just drives his knee straight up the ass of whatever lineman's in front of him and bullies his way for six, seven yards, which I have no problem with either. And then just to look at the final running back on the room, um, there's not really a guy on the roster that's going to fill that, I don't think. Um, for me, they're going to hit the draft uh, rounds like five, six, seven, maybe a couple of UDFAs. Um, battle that out and then they'll just stash a guy in there and um, they're probably going to care more about long-term development than instant win and reward because whoever they've got as their top two you're not really ever going to give you're not going to take Chubb and Hunt off the field to give snaps to some um, random guy he's going to be there for special teams development and seeing what he's got in the future um, obviously it's slightly different if you've got a um, Hunt which is only there for one year you're more keen at, hey, is this guy going to do it in 12 months? Whereas if you've got Dearness Johnson, you can play a longer game for development. Yeah, and that's where you start getting to the guys like Trey Harborson, um, you know, 5'11", 218, rookie out of Charlotte. Uh, Dexter Williams, the old running back out of Notre Dame, 5'11", 212. These are the guys that are just going to bring in just to see, you know, is there a spark in there? What can we do? I know John Kelly, again, 5'10", 208 out of Tennessee, these are the type of guys I think they just bring in, churn them, find out if there's a guy who maybe have something, you know, you're not going to invest. I just don't see them investing serious draft capital in the running back room. I, I just don't. I, look, I know Chubb worked out, but man, I think day three is just the, the sweet spot for getting those guys. Yep. Pre-order UDFAs. It's beautiful in the last three rounds. Hey, those are the Paul Brown specials, baby. Um, and then the last spot in the room. Last but Johnny, certainly not least. Johnny football. So we've got the fullbacks and people are going to go, well, firstly, get rid of fullbacks. We don't need them. Everything we've seen from the coaching staff is they actually do want a fullback on the roster because um, Janovic went down and they brought up Stanton. Um, and then the other part is if you don't have that fullback, he's basically a tight end four. And quite frankly, how often do you see a tight end four on the field very, very, very small. It's effectively a special teams position. So if they get some benefit out of having like 80 snaps from a fullback, then I've got no issue with it because that tight end four isn't getting 80 snaps. 
um, in a season. So it's a bit of much muchness. It's effectively a special teams role. Um, also, they throw the ball to him. I mean, Janovich had a few catches this year. I mean, Johnny Football scored a touchdown. Legendary. I'm telling um, you. So Janovich, no guaranteed money, uh, 1.6 million. So he's going into camp with the roster spot isn't locked up for him. But I feel he's the favorite because they had a really great chance to take that away and keep Johnny Stanton. Um, when Janovich went on to COVID, obviously he caught the touchdown during that time. Um, but they actually re-elevated um, Janovich. So it's not one where they obviously trusted him, Stanton enough and didn't want to lose Stanton. Um, if I had to back, I think they're bringing a UDFA, but you're likely to see the same again where Janovich is on the roster, Stanton's then on the practice squad. Yeah, also, if I remember right, Janovich is one of their cogs for special teams. Yeah. I mean, I think he's out there. I, I think he's like the leader of the special teams unit in terms of like, he's on punt, he's on kick, he's on return. Yeah, I think, I mean, even with his injury, he still was top 10 on the team in uh, 13 games, 160 snaps on special teams. The only person, yeah, the only person that had more was Elijah Lee. He has the most, yeah. So there's a guy, I, I agree. I think that, and ultimately at the end of the day, if it's Johnny football, it's Johnny football. But Janovich and his wife are very nice people, very good contributors to the city of Cleveland. Uh, I, I appreciate everything he's about. He's my kind of guy. Yeah, and it, people are getting hyped up on it. It's like it's, no one is losing sleep over Titan 4 versus fullback 1. And you you come at my guy, Stephen Carlson from 2020 again, like that there, Jack. Damn it. I love Stiff arm Steve. Carlson, hey, but hey, he's he a he's a restricted free agent now, so he's coming off an injury. Here. Oh, he's coming back, baby. There's no way they let that Princeton no. Tiger go. And next Thursday, you can hear us uh, chat about what happens with the tight end room. Oh boy, Jack, how many more people do you think are going to ask about the Austin Hooper contract? Oh, uh, there is so many people. <laughs> uh, there is so many, so many bad takes about the Austin Listen, Hooper deal. I will say the NFL in terms of fandom, not having a seminar for fans to understand what a void year is, is just absolutely throwing so many monkeys in the work. I mean, it just, people have no idea and it's, I get it. It's hard because the salary cap and all of that stuff with, it's not easy to understand if, if you don't understand overall what the conceptual nature of it is, then it's kind of difficult because there's so many different sites and there's so many different bad takes. And there's so many different beat reporters that think they know what they're talking about that don't know what they're talking about. And it's like, you come across as an elitist. I will just tell you this as a course of my degreed engineer, which I humbly brag about that I've never worked a day in engineering, but it's a mindset of understanding things. So it kind of comes off like we're slightly pricklish or I believe the prick word could be used in terms of how we talk about the cap and stuff like that. It literally is just an element and it should be thought of as this in every GM's mind, every decision has an element of cap, every decision. It doesn't matter whether it's 10, 20, 30, 40%. It does not matter what the percentage is. There is an element within his decision-making process. And if the, the lady from the Eagles gets hired within her decision-making process, that is cap related. So understanding the cap ramifications of every roster move is imperative in terms of understanding who, what, where, why, and when decisions are made. 
you know, whether it's post June 1st, you know, a lot of people saying, oh, well, use Jack Conklin and Austin Hooper as post June 1st. It's like, well, you can only do one. So, you know, there's workarounds that saying, okay, well, we'll designate one and tell the league, you know, there's all these different kind of rules and nuances. So we're just doing our best to try to explain what those cap decisions are. I know, Jack, you're widely known as the salary cap. And I had to laugh when uh, Brown's Daily Mock Draft, Stephen kind of made the joke that said, you're the only guy that you tell him no more than his wife does in terms of free agents and how the cap works. So shout out to him. That was pretty funny on that. Uh, But yeah, it's a real thing. So when you start looking at, I really like Kareem Hunt, but man, I really like Dearness Johnson. It's like, all right, what do you want Dearness in 3 million or do you want Kareem Hunt? Take your pick. You only got him for one more year, right? So those are the type of things you got to weigh in. Those are the things Andrew Barry's weighing in on. He goes to stump Mitchell. These are the questions. This is just how the process works. This isn't some secret sauce. This is how 32 teams in the NFL do it. Yeah, and it's when people are looking at camp last year. Hey, Richardson's best D tackle. He's not being moved. Well, he's actually a lot of money. Is he worth it? And then on the other end of that, Andrew Billings is horrendous. He's certainly getting cut. He won't make the roster. And it's like, well, actually... His deal's fully guaranteed, so he's probably staying there for the time being. Yeah, he didn't make the whole season. He's just signed with the Chiefs. Um, but it's one where that all of the little decisions factor in with this stuff. So um, really important to look at cash flows. Guys, if there's any cap questions, I'd set up a little YouTube channel today. So I put the Austin Hooper, I put the Conklin deals on there. Happy to go through and run through and explain stuff. But just check. Um, it's good people are now understanding dead cap and... Uh, salary for a particular year but you've got to look at backloading because you're going to see so much of it with the browns we're very much like the eagles very much like the saints they are backloading deals all this money's paid now but how much is actually due and that's the number i'm just here for the discussion about how dead cap and ir guys aren't counted towards the active salary cap that's what i'm here for okay whenever that youtube video comes up that's the one i want to subscribe to but no, on YouTube, it's, like, it's just brown hey, salary hey Jack, cap. I'm going to go buy a fridge from a store that's going out of business. And the second they go out of business, then I'm not paying that charge back anymore. And my credit card company gets to absolve me from that debt. So. <laughs> the, the loyal listeners to the show will understand the, uh, the caveats to this conversation. But no, angry people are going to argue over Twitter. Guys, if you ever got a question and anyone getting angry with you, tag me in it. I'll, I'll help out. Or send him Paul's way because Paul is the biggest instigator of the group. He was supposed to join us today. We were supposed to all be here. He turned us all down. So uh, shout out to our boy in Green Bay. What was his name? Rick? Paul? Damn it. I'm sorry, buddy. He's from Carolina. Yeah. Steve? I don't remember. We also need to give Wes a shout out. I don't know if we remember to do it, but massive shout out to Wes, who we met out in Green Bay. Top, top lad. Uh, How we thought... We, us two had the hardest job going, which was babysitting Paul, but Wes, you're, you're the fourth pillar um, of the group because, hey, that man looks after Paul Brown and that is a full-time job. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Paul's slept as much as now uh, a bear in hibernation. So kicking off TV seems like it's kicking off again. So uh, yeah, hopefully we get Paul on here one of these days. We still haven't really done an end of the season recap where we talk about it. We're waiting for Paul on that one, but the man is busy. So we do appreciate everything uh, that everybody's, you know, actively involved. And I, I mean, surprisingly enough, I even see my Twitter following go up, which is kind of shocking because I don't find myself that interesting. But um, but yeah, one of these days, maybe I can be a legend like Jack and get verified. But I doubt it. Uh, I'll try to put in a good word. I'm going to become a British politician. But as always, guys, go Browns. Go Browns.